Um, so welcome back to the Soft Shoulder Podcast. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, this week I'm gonna take you through one of my favorites. Do you know who it is? I know who it is. Well, pretend you don't, so everyone else can be surprised. <laughs> I have no idea. It's Minnie Ripperton. Minnie Ripperton. Yay! Yay. <laughs> um, so I love Minnie Ripperton, and I feel like this will be such a breath of fresh air after my very hateful Chicago episode, <laughs> because this episode will be filled with only pure love for Minnie Ripperton. She's fucking amazing. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, um, to tell the truth, I, I've listened to a lot of her music mm -hmm. uh, just over the last week while researching my topic for the other episode. But uh, honestly, I know, I think I know one thing about, two things about her. That's it. Okay. So I'm very excited. Great. Well, I have more than two things to tell you about her. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Minnie Ripperton is, def like, I just have, like, an overview here. She's, like, known for her five and a half octave range. Yeah, it's wild. Five and a half. Yeah, that's insane. Like, how is that even possible? I don't know. People are just, maybe she's born with it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so she's one of these artists that's like a bit of a, uh, crosses over onto the rock and R&B charts. Um, and like we talked about with Hall & Oates, kind of like in that area sometimes with certain songs of hers where like, um, the R&B charts is like, that's too rock. And then the, the rock charts are like, that's too R&B. So like, we had a real problem with this, I guess, in the 70s. Yeah, it seemed like like mid, like early, early to like, I don't know, 78. Mm -hmm. That was a big problem. Like, just, like, people, where do we put this? Right. Yeah. But, like, I want to say, like, why, though? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, <clears throat> you can look back at a bunch of stuff like that and be like, hmm, why? Yeah. But, yeah, like, things things were different. Yeah. So, she was, um, given that five and a half octave range, she was known as the queen of the whistle register. Yeah. And so, the other person that we know who's very known for the whistle register would be Mariah Carey. Correct. And so Mariah Carey definitely was influenced by Minnie Ripperton. Do you know what doesn't help a five or a whistle register? What? Wine and cigarettes. <laughs> because Mariah Carey cannot hit those oh, anymore. Mimi. Have you heard her just talk? I mean, yeah, it's not great. It's it's kind of rough. It's not great. Yeah, I mean, to be fair though, Mariah's been through a lot. She has. She has. Um, but yeah, I mean, a great singer of her time. Yes. So what I really love about Minnie Ripperton's music is that like, it is just like filled with love and like vitality. Every single song is just like, love is great and I'm feeling so much love or like I love this it's just like but not in this way that feels super like toxic positivity or whatever it's just like this woman is really tapped into something oh yeah and everyone who <clears throat> talks about her and her music is just like totally wrapped with her and you can't help but be like really like charmed by her and also just be like this is 
making me feel really good and I like that. <laughs> yeah, I was driving back from somewhere today and I was just all smiles. Yeah. I was like, this is fantastic. Like, it's, I really, really enjoyed it. That's so good. So um, also I wanted to mention too, because I was listening to, um, because she has, uh, I mean, she had such a short career, um, I didn't really watch a documentary or anything on her. I just pulled some stuff from different um, sources. And then I also listened to an episode of I Buy That for a Dollar, which is a podcast. Have you heard this? No. It's pretty good because they do, they choose a like dollar bin album every week. Okay. And, and like do kind of like a deep dive into it and talk about like producers or people who played on it or other facts about the albums. And, cool. Like, okay. Just like elevate things that are usually just in those like shitty dollar bins. So. Yeah. Like your Herb Balpert and the Tijuana Brass. <laughs> dollar bin every single dollar bin really? i've ever been in yeah oh. like with the whip the woman covered in whipped cream sure yeah i mean i think i think of um that is it theo leo sayer a telephone can't take the place of your smile but You know oh, I'm not sure. No, oh. <laughs> Glenn Campbell is frequent in the dollar oh, bin. Oh yes. Oh, I did a Glenn Campbell yeah. dollar bin. <laughs> yeah, Engelbert Humperdinck. Yeah. Uh, who uh -huh. else is uh, Glenn Whitaker? Uh huh. Always. Yeah. Oh, um, my God. Billy Joel Glasshouses. Yes. Every dollar bin. Every single one. Yeah. <laughs> Sneaky Ripper though. <laughs> Good album. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was terrified by the cover of that album when I was a kid. I don't know why it just spooked me. I was like, why is that man wearing leather gloves and about to throw that rock? Because he's and from like, New Jersey. Also, young Billy Joel has like too much white in his eyes. You know what I mean? What? <laughs> he's too much white. So it just, it's scary. He looks like his eyes are going to pop out at any moment. I cannot wait to do a <laughs> Billy Joel episode. I have a lot to say about Billy Joel. Perfect. Okay, back to Minnie Ripperton. Anyways, uh, so Minnie Ripperton was born in Chicago. So we got another Chicago artist here. Okay. Uh, in 1947, she studied music, drama, and dance at the Lincoln Center. Um, originally, she wanted to be an opera singer. And... Um, that didn't exactly work out, I guess. Um, she joined the Gems in 1961. So, do you know who the Gems were? No. Do you know Chess Records? Ish. Yeah. yeah. So Chess Records were like um, was like this popular Chicago recording <laughs> record label. Is yeah. The words I'm looking for. Perfect. <laughs> and they they recorded artists like Chuck Berry, Muddy Waters, Howling Wolf, The Dells. Um, uh, Fontella Bass, um, Etta James, and, um, like, a bunch of people like that. Yeah, yeah, like that. Very iconic stuff. For like sure. Chicago yeah. stuff. So, the Gems were essentially the, like, in-house, um, backing cool. vocals okay. for chess records. Yep. Um, so having joined the Gems, she obviously was, like, part of a lot of these iconic tracks. 
um, and sang backup vocals uh, with the gems for, do you know the Font, uh, Fontella bass song? Do you know the, the one that I'm talking about? No. The big one? Rescue me! Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so she sang on that. She sang backup vocals for Etta James and Adele's. Um, and was really involved with chess for a while. She was still in high school when this happened. Wild. Yeah. So okay. after graduating high school, um, she starts working reception at chess. Um, and then releases a single, uh, called Lonely Girl on chess under the moniker Andrea Davis. Actually, we'll come back to that when I talk about my favorite song. Sure. I want to talk about that song. Yeah. Um, so then in 1968, she becomes the lead singer of the Rotary Connection, uh, who were this like really weird um, act that had a lot of different members. And they were super sort of like psychedelic, too weird for AM, like mostly played on FM radio. Whoa, okay. Yeah. And... Um, the Rotary Connection? The Rotary Connection. Cool, okay. Yeah, they've got some jams. They've got some, like, you know, like, weird, vibed-out jams, but I feel like there's one called Lady Lane. Okay. I like that jam. Lady Elaine? No, Lane. Okay, Lady Lane. Okay. So, I mean, it might say Lane. I can't read my own writing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Something like that. Sure. So yeah, she's with them until they sort of like break up in 1971, but she starts um, breaking off on her own in 1970 and records her first solo album, which is called Come to My Garden, um, which is like this super like lush orchestral, um, like orchestrally dense kind of like very almost like operatic at times. I listened to it today. It's yeah. a, it's a great album it's really like it's great really good yeah yeah like so many of those like backing vocals that come in and it's just like this full choir sound yeah and you're like i'm on board for this yeah i was as soon as i turned it on i think isn't the the first song is like flirt right yes yeah is. and that song is amazing oh yeah on repeat all the time yeah, i had never heard it it's so good yeah i'm so excited that i've, I've been I, I, like just introduced to this because like, yeah I, I, it was the first song i heard um i think it was actually the first song on spotify yeah and i put it on i was just like my god like this is <laughs> where has this been i know yeah it really kind of reminds me like at least in contemporary of like maybe like some like erica badu stuff oh totally yeah who i'm a big fan of as well so yeah. i was like oh my lord i can see where she got her influence from. Yeah. So yeah, it's neat. And it's hard to say, like, I feel like Minnie Ripperton is like such an influence on so many people. Yeah. Um, and especially like artists like Erica Badu or anyone in the sort of like R and B ish realm. Mm -hmm. But even beyond that, like pop in general, like rock, like there's so many people where you're just sort of like if you start to really look into Minnie's music and you're like, oh, this sound sounds like this. Or yeah. like I feel like she was just like making this really incredible music that is kind of 
in some ways like didn't get the respect it deserved after the fact. Like at the time it was definitely really popular, but then she gets forgotten about a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Like she's almost like a um, um like a like a musician's musician or a singer yeah. singer, you know what totally. I mean? Like yeah, so which is really neat. It's always really cool when you find those. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. Absolutely. Um so she records Come to My Garden and then she relocates to LA from Chicago. Um, and this is where she, after that, she sings on Stevie Wonder's Fulfillingness first finale. Do you know that album? No. Again, another artist that I so never good. went into that heavy was Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Um, I plan on it. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. I feel like that's the Stevie Wonder stuff too. Cause like we get a lot of like Stevie Wonder that's like overplayed. Yeah. Like I don't really need to hear Superstition ever again in my life. I think I've heard it enough times. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, it's not really like sinking in anymore, but I listened to this album and I was like, this is incredible. Cool. It's so beautifully produced. It's so interesting, like texturally mm -hmm. and just like really comes into like some of that, um, like skirts the edge of some like more interesting, more like jazz moments at times. Yeah. Yeah, too. yeah. Like that, like that whole realm of things. So she, sang on um, Creepin' and I think a few other tracks maybe. There's a song on that album called Bird of Beauty that I am in love with. Cool, okay. It's so good. Okay. There is so much in life for you to feel in white, red or yellow pills A minded sturgeon can be such a thrill um, so she also toured with Stevie Wonder as backing vocalist. Um, and then this is kind of important because then he, like they, they strike up like a friendship and he agrees to co-produce her 1974 album, Perfect Angel. Okay. And so at the time, because he was under a different record label, he had to actually, uh, produce it under a, a a moniker or he wasn't credited or something like that because okay conflict of interest stuff or yeah whatever. stuff like that happened all the time back yeah then. so um which and perfect angel is like such a good album and that is where we get that um perfect hit of loving you yeah yeah pretty which sure. became internationally known yeah and also like somewhat of a butt of a joke in like certain circles, like at least in like, I feel like the early 2000s, there was a lot of things that were, was using that song as like a joke. Yeah. I remember South Park did a thing with it. Yeah. Um, that's the only one that I know of. But yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it, it's a really beautiful song. It's so like, beautiful. It's just really, really good. Yeah, totally. Like, like saccharine sweet. Oh yeah. You know? like, like to the point where you're like, I'm a little bit embarrassed about how earnest this is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're like, I love this song, but I can't let anyone know that I love it. She's in a weird register in that song too. Yeah. She's in a really weird, like almost like childlike register, which is a little strange. Totally. Like she sounds, she sounds very young. Yeah. 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 Um, which is interesting as well, because actually the, the melody of the song um, was pre-recorded to soothe her daughter, who we know of as, do you know who her daughter is? I do. And Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph, yeah. yeah. And you can definitely see the family resemblance when oh, you yeah. look yeah. at the two of them side by side. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, the end of the song, there's kind of like that ongoing thing where she's just saying Maya, 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 if you listen really close. Oh really? I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Yeah. 
like to think about the song too as reframing it that way. I mean, obviously there's some like things thrown in that you're like, oh yeah, that's obviously not for a kid, but there's this sense of being like, oh, this is a love song for a, like a parent to a child kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Know? Maybe that's why she's in that weird register. Yeah. Huh. Maya some... Rudolph, a musician in her own right. That's true. She was in uh, The Rentals for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with uh, uh, Matt Sharp from Weezer. And there's nothing that I love more than watching her break out in song. Oh, for sure. It's like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the best. Like, she's... oh, Maya's going to sing. I know. Great. Yeah. She's hilarious. Too. Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, so that song reached gold in the U.S. and silver in the U.K. Um, and then I have a nice little, um, aside here. The Wikipedia page for Love and You is quite, um, it's rich. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the thing that really caught my eye was, um, there's an entry on it, um, called a huge ever-growing pulsating brain that rules from the center of the ultra world what it's like okay well i'm gonna have to click on that yeah what the what's this <laughs> so uh, apparently in 1989 uh the song was using the word sampled actually doesn't even make any sense they basically put most of the song at the beginning of this truly confusing house track called a huge, ever-growing, pulsating brain that rules from the center of the ultra-world by, um, The Orb. Is this my whole new identity? Yes. Amazing. Yes. The Orb. Uh, they had another hit, I think. <laughs> Did they? I, mm, probably not. I honestly, <laughs> honestly. I mean, it's pretty dense house. Like, it's just like, it's, it's... Uh, who am I thinking? There was that like weird time in the '90s where like you know like basement jacks were big, yeah, and, like yeah. bands like that. Like, just, like they had a one hit, yeah. But there was just like a slew of like like trip hop and trance and yeah. shit, yeah. And like Daft Punk became popular, so everyone was like, "We like house music." Yeah, this is house. I think. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, the orb, great. Yeah, this is I. I, I mean, my this particular Wikipedia entry was. Um, hilarious for many reasons, but I, I particularly loved this quote, which was, um, the song managed to reach 78 just on the charts, despite being almost 20 minutes in length. What? <laughs> the Orb, a band after my own heart. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, well, I guess, I guess I'm Alex the Orb Curry <laughs> from now on. Okay, well then I'm Stacy, a huge, ever-growing, pulsating brain that rules from the center of the ultra-world swirl. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. So, anyways. That's, that's things I need in my life. Enough of the orb. <laughs> <laughs> um, in getting back to Perfect Angel, uh, which is the perfect album, um, Stevie Wonder also arranged all of the music. Oh, cool. On Perfect Angel, uh, wrote two songs. He wrote Perfect Angel and Take a Little Trip and used, like, Stevie Wonder's backing band is essentially the band on cool. this album as well. Okay. So you can, like, when you listen to it through that lens, you're also like, okay, I can hear Stevie in this. Um, Very cool. And 
Yeah, and I do encourage everyone to listen to it many, many times because it's beautiful <laughs> and wonderful. Yeah, I listened today again. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, I had one more. Okay, this is one more factoid about the orb. Not about the orb. Okay, sure. I'm so sorry. There's no more. You can turn off the podcast now. There's no more factoids about the the orb in this episode. <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll keep we'll keep talking. I guess. I guess. I guess. God. So this is actually a Kenny Loggins connection. Never mind. I'm back on. Kenny's excited. So, okay, wait. A, the song on the album, Every Time He Comes Around, is on Perfect Angel. Yep. Which featured uh, Denise Williams. Do you know who Denise Williams is? No. Keep, keep them so coming. So she was doing background vocals on that song. Denise Williams sang, Let's Hear It For The Boy. Oh, okay. Let's hear it for the boy. <laughs> and you know what soundtrack that was on? Mmm. of Footloose today. Uh, you didn't? No, no. I'm leaving. <laughs> it, was, it was very scratched up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Somebody yeah. was cutting Footloose on that. Probably. probably. Somebody was going, Jeez, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is he saying? Jack, cut back. <laughs> that song is ridiculous. I know. I like to think that it's just it's just syllables. It's not actually words. It's just him being like, yeah, I'll get it later. I'm so excited. Yeah. He always looks like he's so excited. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Back to Minnie. <laughs> um, so in 1975, her and uh, Richard Rudolph, who's her husband, and he's been her writing partner all along, um, they start on her album Adventures in Paradise. Um, and the cover of this album I really love. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, her yeah. sitting in this armchair and there's a lion yeah. beside her, a real um, live lion. It's great. It's so good. <laughs> it's awesome. And I, when I first saw this cover, I was also like, oh, this really reminds me, like the weird um, lack of depth and the like starkness of the background and the colors and everything kind of reminded me of the cover to Joanna Newsom's Have One On Me. Do you know that album? I do, yes. And yeah. I was kind of like, oh, I feel like she's probably another... Uh, mini influenced person. Yeah. Given her use of sort of like interesting whistle register or falsetto or just like crazy weird voices yeah, of operatic singing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, um, interesting thing about that cover, too, they shot the cover and then they were going to shoot this promo video. And during that, she got injured by the lion. Like the lion attacked her. Holy shit. And there's footage of this you can watch. She was on. Sammy Davis Jr.'s talk show, and he played the clip okay. of her getting attacked by the lion. What? And she said she wasn't hurt, but it's like, when you watch it, you're like, that's terrifying. I know, right? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, and she was just like, I'm okay. Like, it like fully lunged at her. <sighs> <laughs> so. And uh, I photographed this first, and as I was photographing it for the album cover, I thought, uh, we should be doing this for a commercial for, uh, you know, to promote the record. But at that point, it was too late to have it all together. So we went in and we redid it, but with a different lion. You went in with Everything a different... was the same, 
except for the lion. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a film clip. Uh, we can show the people with, in the studio the clip. You watch the monitors. And you, you please tell us what's going on, will you? Because this is live. Um, I'm filming the commercial, as you can see, and uh, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> as you can see, what are you see, what happened? He didn't hurt you, did he? Uh, not really, almost. <laughs> She's so sweet, the lion wanted to eat her. <laughs> well, I'd go along with that, you know. But I, I was, see, that would be it. I wouldn't be no more good for a year. That happened well, that did freak me out. <laughs> <laughs> it freaked me out. But uh, not until I realized that I should have been in the hospital or something like that. You handled it well. <laughs> <laughs> so that was terrifying. Also, you should watch that clip because it's great. <laughs> I will. Uh, maybe I'll play. I'll put it in here somewhere. The other person on that episode was Richard Pryor. Perfect. So he was sitting there, like making jokes about her getting attacked by a lion. Um, <laughs> Jesus. So this is where it starts to kind of go downhill, unfortunately, for Minnie, because in 1976 she announces that she had had a mastectomy from breast cancer. Um, her cancer had already spread to her lymphatic system. And she was told that she had six months to live. Um, she actually lived longer than six months. But, okay. Um, she was still touring in 1977 and in that same year released Stay in Love, which featured another Stevie um, collaboration, which is their like, kind of disco jam stick together. Cool. Okay. She also became the spokeswoman for the American Cancer Society's campaign in 1978 to 1979. Then she recorded Minnie, which was her final album in 1979, and was obviously in a lot of pain. Um, she had lost the use of her right arm due to extreme lymphedema, which mm. like, sounds really shitty. Yeah, it sounds awful. Um, was admitted to the hospital July 10th, 1979, and then died two days later. Wow, okay. Yeah, so kind of a bummer. She was so young. I think she was 31. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Super young. Okay. And her epitaph on her gravestone reads, Loving you is easy because you're beautiful. Oh, Minnie Ripperton. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Okay. So, that's Minnie. She's so cute and I love her so much. Yeah, her, her stuff is I, honestly like I, I'm I'm happy to know it. Yeah, you know, like I'm yeah. happy that this is in my my repertoire of music now. For sure. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So should we move on to our soft focus? <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> you know what's really sad about having to listen to this um, just through your your ear holes is that no one can see all the beautiful hand motions I make every time I talk. Definitely, or me <laughs> holding one finger in my ear when we're singing. <laughs> <laughs> Tear it for the boss. <laughs> Nailing it. Yeah. Perfect pitch. So, wait, do we usually do you go first? Yeah, I'll go first because okay. you, uh, you, this is your research. Yes. Uh, I picked out whenever, wherever. Oh, like, whatever, whatever. <laughs> no, not the Shakira song. 
Oh my god. You got me head over heels. Uh, it's just a, a great track. I can't. I can't actually remember what album it's off of. Oh. Um, I was just listening. I listened to all the albums in a row. Yeah. And just literally like made a tick when I'm like that one. Yeah. It's really good. It's like an up, up, upscale kind of like funky track. Mm. Um, yeah, lots of whistle singing. Oh, I love for, it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Take a Little Trip. Oh, yeah. Which is also so good. The like, Stevie Wonder written tune. It's so good. Yeah. It's and this, I didn't know it was Stevie Wonder, so even better. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I also, Adventures in Paradise. Oh, like yeah. The title track from the record. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Song. Such a banger. Uh, Le Fleur. Of course. I, that was that was the first song I heard by her, and it floored me. Yeah. To the point where I was like, well, I'm going to listen to all of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, that song is, it's like, what a treat yes. to hear that for the first time. And as someone who has had a career working in flowers, that song is like, definitely, it hits you somewhere where you're like, fuck yeah, flowers say this to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like it. it yeah. It's really good. And obviously loving you. Like yes. loving you is just so nice and just so... Yeah, like what I can't really say much that we haven't already said, but it's just, yeah, it's just it's so earnest. Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah. Uh, also, as a bonus, Ooh. Um, I got a little uncomfortable listening to "Inside My Love." Oh yeah. Yeah, when she's like, she's like, "Come inside me," yeah. and I'm like, mm. like I'm like, <laughs> this is like triple entendre. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And especially because like the other songs that I was hearing from her are so sweet and earnest and i mean i mean obviously sex is also a sweet and earnest thing totally. for sure yes but it just kind of it was out of out of nowhere where yeah. it's just like whoa okay <laughs> horny mini like, but a uh, fantastic song yes like, great totally. song but just um just kind of took me took me out of my listening experience for a sec being like whoa yeah okay i feel like in that there there's mention too of that album i forget which album that is i think it's the fourth one maybe that that song is on and that particular line made it kind of like hard to for a lot of people to swallow it i think it like it wasn't as successful and people were like oh i'm not into horny mini <laughs> yeah for sure i mean i mean but obviously you know like at this point she was what would she be like 27 28 yeah yeah like like that, that's the time yeah you know like let so, a girl have it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she was also a beautiful woman. She was so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not in any way shaming the song or anything like that, but it just, for, for me, it was just like, just such a contrast to everything else that I was just kind of like, totally. like yeah. <laughs> yeah, but a great song and a beautiful song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my top five were Le Fleur, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of songs I chose were from perfect angel okay because i love that album yep. so seeing you this way um from perfect angel it starts with this like really bizarre nonsense um that she's just like like doing some like vocal stuff but i just love it like immediately you're like well, what's happening here okay okay <laughs> and you're like i'm ready for this um and i also love this song because it's like seeing you this way feels like it's gonna be a thing where it's like a sad song 
Okay. You know, like I feel like we have some kind of association with that like sentence, but the whole song is about being like, I'm so happy to see you happy. It makes me really happy. And it's like the <laughs> nicest song, right? Yeah. Like, it's just so nice. You're yeah. just like, oh my God. Thank you, Minnie. Like, yeah. Um, and then of course, loving you. Yeah. Gotta do it. Can't do the next line. Yeah. <laughs> um, then, um, Reasons, which is the like top track that starts Perfect Angel. Okay. And it's like, it comes in like hard. It's like almost like a rock song. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And I remember hearing it the first time and just kind of being like, oh, this song's weird. And I listened to it again today and I was like, this fucking song is so good. Awesome. It is so good. Okay. And she keeps saying something, like, she keeps saying, like, you're not alone or something in it. Like, it's like, I've listened to it at least five times since and been like, this is the best song ever written, in my opinion. Amazing. Okay. So, top choice. <laughs> and then uh, I added her, um, her very first single, Lonely Girl, which she... Released on the new moniker Andrea Davis. Okay. Um, which I was able to find on Spotify. But what's interesting, and it must, might be some kind of like glitch in the algorithm or something. Yeah. Like you can see uh, The Lonely Girl and there's like, it's like Best of Chess Records or something like that. And it's obviously her. And then the rest of the songs that are under Andrea Davis entry under Spotify appear to be some kind of... I called on the father. Through his son, Jesus Christ, he said, trust in me with all of your heart. Church loving white lady? Oh, okay. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I wonder if it was like a shared name, maybe? Yeah, but then I was like really confused about how that could happen. Um, so I don't know enough about how stuff gets put up on Spotify to really understand that, but, um, there's like a, an album called, oh, what was it called? He Will Answer. Amazing. <laughs> it's like, oh, and like Andrea Davis of present day. <laughs> Do you know, uh, man, religious records of like the like late 70s, like even through early 80s, uh -huh. the artwork on those are cuckoo bananas. Oh, for sure. Like, like, you know, there's like some famous ones you see on the internet, like, you know, like, like, um, that one where the guy's like releasing the dove. Uh huh. Yeah. And like, you know, like with like weird, like, like they just don't even notice the, the weird, like double entendres of the names, like, you know, like, like. He touched me inside. And like, you know, it's no. like, yeah, right? You're just like, mm. And like, yeah, such such weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was my top five. Now, Minnie Riverton is like a special artist for us in that, um, you know, like, she does not, in my opinion, have a bad song. She does not. No, I mean, there's songs that, like, I, I guess I enjoy a little less. Like, there was a song called, like, Minnie's Lament. Mm -hmm. 
that's like just a really short song but like i listened to it and i was just like this is very powerful like this is like you just you you feel her sadness coming through yeah which i guess is like something like i'm not gonna be like "Mm, can't wait to hear minnie's lament but at the same time (laughs) powerful beautiful like yeah to the point where i can't say i dislike it yeah like almost like um have you ever heard uh, A Crow Looked at Me by Mount Erie? Oh, yes. I can't listen to that. I've listened to it once, <laughs> and I never want to listen to it again. No, because you don't want to cry your eyes out every time you turn around. <laughs> exactly, but I can't say that I didn't like it. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was great, but, like, especially, like, as a father, like, that, yeah. that one was hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I kind of got the same feeling from that, not in that extent, or but, um, like, I could, I could just, I could, I could feel her. You right. Know? And it was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my my uh, bottom two for Manny Riperton are just all the songs that Andrea Davis wrote um, that are not Manny Riperton on the Spotify. Oh, sweet. Okay, okay. Do you, do you have any in particular? I think there's a song called Done that okay. really sucks. Okay, okay. We'll put it up on the... I'm sorry, Andrea Davis. I'm sure you're trying really hard at your music, but it's just not Manny Riperton, so I don't care for it. <laughs> Uh, something that I do want to mention that we keep forgetting to mention is that uh, at the end of every episode, and when we post the episode, we actually pair it with a playlist uh, of all the songs that we're talking about. So it's basically in the show description on whatever you're listening to uh, us on. Um, just go there. It's, it's all linked there. You can download it. Um, yeah. That's cool. it. That's it. That's Minnie Ripperton. Thank you, <laughs> Stacy, for introducing me to Minnie Ripperton. Um yeah, like, I think all the only thing I knew of Minnie Ripperton is that Maya Rudolph's mother was a singer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very happy. Great. Cool. All right. See you in two weeks. Bye.